Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from the words of my groaning? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the praise of Israel. In you our ancestors put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. They cried to you and were saved. In you they trusted and were not disappointed. But I am a worm, not a human being. I am scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me feel secure on my mother's breast. From birth I was cast on you. From my mother's womb you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near, and there is no one to help me. Many bulls surround me, strong bulls of Bashan encircle me. Roaring lions that tear their prey open their mouths wide against me. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax, it has melted within me. My mouth is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs surround me, a pack of villains encircles me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display, people stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. But you, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength, come quickly to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dogs. Rescue me from the mouth of the lions. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will declare your name to my people in the assembly. I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel. For he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. From you comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly, because those who fear you, I will fu- before those who fear you, I will fulfill my vows. The poor will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations will bow down before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. All the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who go down to the dust will kneel before him. Those who cannot keep themselves alive. Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn, he has done it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's start with a short prayer. Father, thank you for this, uh, for this wonderful and beautiful psalm. And uh, we pray this morning that you would speak to each one of us. 
Show us something of your goodness and your love to us. Transform us through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Life is difficult, and the Bible never pretends otherwise. And this is one of the reasons I love uh, the Psalms in general, but particularly this Psalm, is that it recognizes that life is often difficult for all of us. It recognizes that there are physical problems. David here, he says his strength has dried up, his bones are out of joint, his hands and feet have been pierced, it looks like he's been tortured. He appears to be starving. He says that they can, um, people can see every bone of his body. Even more than that, there seems to be, um, this psalm recognizes emotional pain. David here is in acute emotional anguish. He says his heart has turned to wax and has melted away within him. It also recognizes that there are sort of social and relationship problems. David is isolated and alone. More than that, he's been mocked and insulted, phys uh, ill-treated physically and emotionally abused. And he's been robbed of his last possessions. They've taken the very clothes from his back, and they've divided, it, um, divided them among them. And there is no one to help. And on top of all these things, uh, there's this spiritual crisis. David feels abandoned by God. His prayers are not being answered. He has no sense of God's presence with him. And it feels like God isn't coming through to him in his time of need. Worse still, for David, it feels like God does rescue people, but other people. He says in verse 4, In you our ancestors put their trust, they trusted, and you delivered them. They cried to you and were saved. In you they trusted and were not disappointed. But I, I am like a man. I am like a worm and not a human being. God seems to, have saved, seems to save other people or people in the past, but not him, not him in the present. And this psalm also recognizes that life is unfair. It doesn't seem like David has done anything wrong to deserve any of these things. It's unjust suffering. It's undeserved. And in this life, there will always be physical, emotional, social, spiritual problems in our lives. Life is difficult, and the Bible doesn't pretend otherwise. There are disappointments and there are failures. There are illnesses and there are broken relationships. And this is true, whoever you are, whether you're young or old, married or single, a Christian or not a Christian, even for the Son of God. Because as we all know, Jesus quoted the first lines of this uh, psalm, and much of this psalm is kind of, uh, works as a kind of prophecy of all the things Jesus went through uh, in his final hours on the cross. Even Jesus went through physical anguish, uh, emotional pain, uh, social isolation and ill-treatment, and spiritual despair. And there are times, aren't there, in everyone's life where things seem to go wrong. Um, I had a period like this in my life at university where um, sort of towards the end of my second year, I got 
uh, this illness, sort of like ME or chronic fatigue. And I had to drop out of university, which I was loving, uh, stop studying theology, which I'd been really getting into. Um, we'd started a charity, it was just starting to go well, and I had to hand that on to other people, and then it sort of took off while, uh, <laughs> after I left. It would be a struggle for a year, and then suddenly it took off after I left. Um, and I sort of went from being very sort of independent and involved in lots of things, playing lots of sport, uh, to going, moving back home, spending a lot of time in bed, not doing anything, being very dependent on my mother, who was very kind to me. But it was slightly sort of go, going back to be almost a child. And I lost touch with a lot of friends, um, and their lives kind of moved on. Um, and I remember thinking at the time that uh, it wasn't so much that things were going so badly for me that made life tough. It was, it, was, it, was the, it was going so well for everyone else. All my friends were kind of falling in love and going to all these parties and having a great time, whereas I was lying on the sofa at home watching depressing daytime television. And there were periods in this time where I felt, I suppose, really spiritually dry. When I would pray and nothing would happen, I'd read the Bible, but it just wouldn't seem to connect with me. And I suppose there are all times, for, there are times in all our lives where it seems like everything goes wrong. But even if not, everything's uh, not going wrong, there are, there are moments uh, or there are things in our lives at every moment where not everything's going well. There are problems, there are battles. And whether we're in a time of crisis or whether there are just a few things that are kind of bugging us or uh, getting to us, psalms like this, I think, can give us hope. Because this psalm, the wonderful thing about this psalm is it starts with anguish and despair. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And it moves from there to by the end of the psalm, David is praising God and seems to be full of joy. I don't know how you're feeling this morning. Maybe you're feeling full of joy and longing to praise God. But maybe there are just a few of us, maybe one or two, who are feeling full of anguish, distracted by some of the problems in this world, and would love to know how to move from this anguish to joy, from the questioning to the praise of God. And I think there are maybe sort of three things that I'd like to draw out from this, which... Um, which might be helpful for us in terms of moving along that journey. And the first thing is that we need to be honest about what's going on in our lives. We need to be honest with God, we need to be honest with others, and we need to be honest with ourselves. We need to acknowledge what's going on. The, the idea of a stiff upper lip is not something that occurs in the Bible. We're not called, we're not commanded to suppress or bury or deny our feelings of pain, or anger, or disappointment, or fear. I don't know about you, but I feel tempted as a Christian to feel like I should always be delighted with uh, the joys of life, and that everything's going well, and just my heart's overflowing with gratitude at every moment of the day. And uh, I don't feel like, um, sometimes I don't think I'm allowed to feel disappointed, or hurt, or angry, um, or afraid for the future. But this psalm gives us permission. David is completely honest about everything that's going on in his life. And Jesus, too, quoted from this very psalm. And in doing that, um, he authenticates these sort of prayers, this sort of honesty. 
I personally find this very difficult. I'm not someone, I'm quite private uh, in many ways, and I don't find it easy being um, honest with others um, or really honest with myself about what's going on in my life. During this time of illness when I had ME, I went to see a friend of mine who was a monk in this Benedictine monastery. Um, it was in this little uh, monastery just near uh, the Pyrenees in the south of France. And uh, Luigi, uh, this Benedictine monk, was so helpful to me. He uh, said a couple of things. The first thing he said was um, the importance of not trying to control uh, our emotions. Apparently, Thomas Aquinas, the, probably the greatest theologian of the Middle Ages, said that whereas we have the power of a dictator over our limbs, we can tell our limbs exactly what to do. But we only have um, the power of uh, only diplomatic power over our emotions. We cannot force them to do anything. You can't force yourself to feel happy or to feel sad. Uh, we can only encourage or discourage um, very gently. We cannot force ourselves not to feel angry or afraid or disappointed or lonely. But we can decide how we act on that emotion. And Luigi talked about, he had this kind of image of um, inviting the emotion in through the front door. If you feel afraid, you invite the emotion in through the front door and you sort of have a conversation with it. Um, whereas if you try and slam the front door to it and try to suppress it, it breaks in through a back window and starts doing all this damage in the house where you can't quite see where it is. And I found that very helpful. And I think this psalm really encourages us to feel what we're feeling, whether it's hurt by others, whether, whether it's actually been let down by God, whether it's anger, fear, loneliness, or despair. We're allowed to feel what we're feeling. And actually, this psalm encourages us to do it both privately and, uh, to a certain degree, publicly. This is obviously a very personal psalm, but you'll also notice just under the title, it says that it's written for the director of music. It's to, it's to be done in a kind of corporate setting, uh, as a form of public worship. Um, and we all know this, don't we? This is what David prayed. There's the sense in which he shared that honesty with other people. And it can be a real encouragement if we're honest about what's going in our lives with our friends. Um, and because it can be encouraging to know, I personally, you know, to know that other people go through difficult times. Other people are afraid. Other people get angry. And it's helpful just to know what's going on in your friends' lives. So you can help them, you can support them. It doesn't mean you have to tell everyone everything about what's going on in your life. But it does suggest that there's something good about opening up to those who are closest to us. So this is the sort of the first thing, the importance of being honest. But honesty alone is not enough. It's kind of necessary, but not sufficient. I think there are sort of two other things to remember, as well as being honest. Because honesty by itself is a bit kind of unruly. The Israelites in the desert, when they were wandering through the desert, they were very honest with how they felt. It was rubbish, they were annoyed with God, there wasn't enough food, it was better in Egypt, and God rightly got very cross with them. So there are two things, I think, that need to kind of channel our honesty. And the first thing is to um, keep the right perspective. Throughout this psalm, David never loses his perspective. He doesn't forget, first of all, who God is. 
The very question, why have you forsaken me, shows that David knows that this isn't how things could be. This isn't God's character. That God is a God of love. He's someone who cares about people. He's a God who doesn't like suffering. He hates death. He hates pain. And David remembers that and so asks, why have you forsaken me? This isn't right. He remembers that God is a God who intervenes. He's a God who's worth leaning on. He continues to call him my strength. It's easy to conclude, isn't it, when things are going so badly that God doesn't care, that God doesn't exist. Um, but it, we, we, it's really important we hold on to the goodness of God's character at, when times are tough. To remember that he, his design for the world is for it to be without suffering. And that he is at work in the world to bring an end to suffering. We also need to remember what God has done for us in the past. For us personally and for sort of the history of salvation. To remember what God has done for us on the cross. David here looks um, back at the kind of history of Israel in verses 3 to 5. He remembers that God delivered them, uh, that God answered their prayers. And then personally, in sort of verses 9 and 10, he looks at how God has been with him throughout his life. And in the difficult times, we need to remember all the good things that God has done for us. This is what Israel forgot when they were in the desert. They were honest without remembering all the good things that God had done for them. And we also need to remember what God is doing with us in the present, particularly through our suffering. The cross, Jesus' death on the cross, reminds us that at the darkest times of our lives, when things are most difficult, God is most at work. At the darkest point of human history, when man was at his most evil and there was uh, the most unjust suffering in the history of the world, God was doing the greatest thing to reconcile the world to him. And that reminds us that in the difficult times, God is at work. And I know for me personally, that kind of period of being ill uh, was one of the most valuable times in my relationship with God. I learned things then that I would never have learned had I not been ill. My tutor at theological college um, tells of uh, his period at, when he was at theological college, where he went through a sort of time of depression uh, that was really hard. But he says um, that, uh, that the fact he has a pastoral bone in his body is because of that experience of going through depression. And you know, don't we, we all know people with um, compassion who would have said that their compassion for others was formed in times of real difficulty for them themselves. So we need to remember what God is doing, actually, what God is achieving in the times when things are difficult. We also need to remember that God will eventually put all things right in the end. By verse 26, David's looking ahead to a time when the poor will eat and be satisfied, where all people will praise God, where all people will be brought together under God. It is vital in our times of difficulty that we don't lose our vision, that we don't become kind of self-consumed, turned in on ourselves, but keep looking out to how we can be used by God for his purposes. 
one of the things I did um, when I was ill, I couldn't really have um, a proper job, so I worked for a bit as a, um, as a male nanny or, or manny or child technician, uh, really. And, um, <laughs> and during that time, um, I looked after some very nice children with lovely parents and uh, very well-adjusted uh, little children. Uh, but I also worked with some quite um, disturbed um, and troubled uh, young children. And um, it was actually an amazing time, sort of a time of difficulty for me, but working with these people and sort of realizing the, the kind of the problems in their lives, and it reminded me of the need of the world for God's love. And it kind of forced me to sort of turn outwards and remind myself of, of God's calling on my life to, uh, to participate in the work of the kingdom. So we need to be honest, we need to keep our perspective whilst being honest. And thirdly, we need to do this all in the context of a relationship with God. The crucial thing about this psalm is that it is addressed to God. David is not complaining about God. He's complaining to God. And that is a vital difference. And it is still my God that he is complaining to. My God, my God. He holds on to the relationship throughout all the difficult times. It's the same with our friends, isn't it? That um, if we have a problem with our friends, if a friend of ours has uh, offended us in some way or hurt us, it's not very healthy just going and saying bad things about them behind their back. We need to go to them and say, look, you've hurt me, and, uh, and deal with the friendship like that. And it's the same with God. It's not healthy if we feel let down by God to go behind his back and say, God's let me down, he's not with me. We need to go to God and say, you've let me down. I'm disappointed in you. Why didn't you come through uh, for me when I wanted you to? Because God loves it when we engage with him. He wants that sort of relationship. He loved Jacob, who it says he, he wrestled with God and refused to let God before he had his blessing. He calls us to persist in prayer. God doesn't want us to be sort of apathetic or just resigned to what's going on in the world. He wants us to wrestle with him, to plead with him, to question him, to engage with him. And as we do this, as we, uh, as we question God, as we engage with him, then our perspective changes. Then we sort of, we're transformed by that interaction. A, a very trivial example, but um, the other day, um, I do occasionally lose things, and the other day I lost my wallet. Um, and this was a bit of a pain, because I was trying to get a train down uh, to Brighton, and I meant I couldn't pick up my ticket. So um, I thought, okay, I need to retrace my steps uh, where I'd been in sort of London the next day. So I got on my bicycle, and of course, uh, when I got on my bicycle, uh, it started to rain, obviously. And, um, and so I got on my bicycle, it was raining, uh, I couldn't do the work I was supposed to be doing, I was trying to find my wallet, and I thought, ah, oh, okay, I'm speaking on Psalm 22. This, you know, I need to address God, I need to complain to God. So I started, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I felt God say to me, what are you talking about? I haven't <laughs> forsaken you. <laughs> You've just lost your wallet. 
Um, but I continued. I wasn't going to be put up. I started a ruthless band of men、uh, surround me, and then I realised actually that wasn't quite true, and that actually everyone was really helpful as I tried to look for my wallet.、Um, this is a silly example, but it, if I'd just sort of gone on my bicycle and was just quite kind of cross with God, I could have sustained that being cross with God as I went all the way around London. But as I addressed it to God, I was reminded that. Actually, God has been so good to me that it wasn't as bad as I thought it might have been, and my perspective changed.、Um, and actually, I found my wallet in my in my flat.、Uh, <laughs> but、uh, so it was all fine. I hadn't lost it. I think these are the kind of、um, so these are the sort of the three kind of clues as to how to move from kind of anguish to joy, from kind of questioning. To praise, if we're honest with God, saying, allowing ourselves to feel how we feel, but at the same time keeping perspective, holding on to what's true about God, and doing it all in the context of a relationship with God, I think we can then move to praise. We can move from anguish to praise. So, I thought I, what I thought we might do、um, to end is to praise God、uh, together. And I don't know how everyone's feeling, whether they're、uh, feeling disappointed with God or anguish, or just full of the joy of life. But、uh, this is a chance to kind of bring all our、um, complaints to God, all our worries, all our concerns, our fears, and to give them all to God, and then to lift up our hearts in worship to Him. Really. Shall we stand? Rejoice! Let all the earth rejoice. He wraps himself in light.